for people who want to just become fit or active, athletics and sprinting are a great way to just get into shape. You're not too old. In fact, masters, our kind of slogan is you can't ever be too old, only too young. That was Dalla Bordalusi. And this is episode 59 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Dalla Bordalusi is a 53-year-old master sprinter from Brossard, Quebec. While she ran some track in high school, it wasn't until her mid-40s that she rekindled her love for short events like the 60 and 100 meters. After discovering how much fun it is to compete locally and across Canada over the past five years, Dalla is now on a mission to bring others along with her. She serves on the board of directors for Canadian Masters Athletics and is using her platform to promote the sport and encourage more people, particularly women, to consider athletics as a way to be active, challenge themselves, and meet inspiring people. As you'll hear in this interview, you don't have to be fast or powerful to find your place and belong in this sport. There's not even such a thing as being too old to take part, only too young, since Masters begins at age 35 and progresses from there in five-year categories. As with any new sport, there may be some nerves or even injuries to overcome, but after listening to Dalla's passion and enthusiasm for track and field, perhaps a tiny little seed will be planted to reframe those fears as worthwhile challenges. So without further delay, please join us in welcoming Dalla Bortolusi to the show. Well, Dalla, we are so excited to be talking with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here talking to you guys. Yes. Well, one of our missions here at Inspired Souls is to bring the communities of trail and road running together. So we're really, really excited to uh, expand our horizons tonight and pick your brain as someone who runs is it fair to say exclusively on the track and likely thinks that a uh, 5k feels like a marathon? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't do that road stuff. Track only for this girl. (laughs) Right on. So you are a master sprinter and we're going to dive deep into all of that with you uh, tonight. But first, maybe you could just start by telling us a little bit more about yourself, maybe who you are, uh, where you're from and what you do. Sure. I am a 53-year-old master sprinter. I live in Broussard, Quebec, which is just across the bridge from Montreal. I'm a wife. I have two kids, uh, both studying in university. Since I had my kids, I stayed home. I never went back to work after my kids were born. I've always been active volunteering in my community, so that's how I've kept myself busy. And when I'm not at the track, you can find me in my kitchen because I love to prepare food, cook food, plan meals, all that kind of thing, like real food, because I'm Italian. I have so many questions for you, Dala, because as we were just talking right before we started recording, we are at such polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Me as the ultra runner who I haven't sprinted and I'm embarrassed to say how long. And, and you who, you know, like Carolyn said, a 5k is like an ultra. Um, before we get too deep into it, just tell us how did you get into masters sprinting in the first place? Well, you know, I can't really say that there was like a defining event or anything like that. When I was younger, elementary school, high school, I did track and field as part of, you know, phys ed, you had to do it. And so I would get picked out of, you know, phys ed class and they said, okay, well, you're good at this. So you're going to go compete at, well, Carolyn, you know, like Lagasa. Yep. Eosa. Like the regional championships. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go do that. Whatever. I was never serious about it. I didn't train for it. Nothing like that. And then I just kind of stopped that. It was nothing I was interested in pursuing. And so then, you know, whatever, went away to university, never did that stuff, became a mom, never did that stuff. But I always trained and worked out at home on my own or at a gym or whatever. And then at one point, I was probably in my early 40s, and I thought, I just felt like a need to do more. I didn't know what that more was, but there was something in me that was like, I got to take this to another another step, another level. And at that point, I was running, uh, I say I don't do road races, but... Uh, with a group of my friends, we did some 5K races. And 
I can't really say I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed doing it with my friends. And that kind of sparked something in me. Because then you'd kind of like, just for the show, right? You'd get on the podium with your participation medal and you'd be like all happy and proud. And that kind of started the process in my head. And then I don't know, then just, I just kind of said, that's it. I want to do more. And I knew a coach and I thought, I'm just going to ask him. And he said, yeah, there's track and field for older people. It's called Masters. He says, look it up. So I did. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And I approached him if he wanted to coach me. And he agreed. And then I started training. And so how you become a master's athlete, I don't really know how you become one. It's just kind of something that you just kind of fall into. Well, you had the, you had the desire, yes. you knew this coach, it was like a little spark, right? And then you, yeah. you followed up on it with action by saying, Hey, could you take me on? Like, it sort of sounds like that. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. It was like something that was kind of pushing me forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just took, I took a leap, you know? And how old were you at this point? I did my first race in January, 2016, but I trained for a year ahead of that. So in 2015, so mid 40s-ish. Yeah, mid 40s. So you talk about training for a year. And this is where I really, I'm intrigued because I am now at that point in my mid 40s where I'm at the end of an ultra season and the thought of a six hour run on a Sunday morning, quite frankly, especially in November is like, oh my goodness, really? So tell me what training looks like. Like, obviously you don't just run a hundred meters and call it a workout. So how much time do you spend a week training? How many days do you go to the track? How many hours a week are you running versus doing strength training? Like break it down for us a little bit. Well, to give you like a bit of a portrait of, of my training when I'm in, like during a track season, mm-hmm. um, with my coach, I personally train two days a week. Um, for me, it's Tuesday, Friday mornings, and my sessions are usually a good two hours in length. That, that includes my warm up, the actual training, cool down, and my stretching. So I'll do that twice a week with Bob, my coach. But then the other days of the week, I'd say like in total, I used to do six days a week that I would do something. Now I'm pretty much down to five. As I get older, I realize that I need more recovery days. So I do my Tuesday, Friday with Bob and then like my Mondays and whatever days I take usually Wednesday. Every day after I train with Bob, I take a day off because it's just too intense and I need to recover. Um, But I'll do I'll do my like elliptical at home. Um, And I do elliptical because I have issues with my knees. So I need to do stuff that doesn't have impact. And then I'll do some strength training. That's a big thing that I'm working on with with Bob right now. The strength training is very important. It's something that I do a lot of like physio type exercises too that I've that I've learned exercises that I've gotten over the years from my physiotherapist. I incorporate that into my workouts also, just to make sure that I can reduce my risk of getting injured injured. But I'm about I'd say five days a week of doing something. And then when I'm not doing that formal training stuff, I'm, I'm either hiking or walking or in the winter snowshoeing or whatever else. Yeah. So what are your events? Like, is it the hundred meters or what, what events do you do? Well, I do and have done in the past 50 meters, 60 meter, hundred meter, 200, 300 meter, which is more of a training thing. And a, oh, the wretched 400. Meters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are my events. I, I really don't like the 400. I have done it indoors and outdoors. I don't like it indoors or outdoors. I prefer the 50 and the 60. And I actually think that they should invent a new event where it's like about a 30 meter event just to see how fast to get out of the ah, starting the Pure power. You know, it's interesting you say that because I, I when I was in junior high school, that was my sprinting time. <laughs> we have previous guests that say they peaked in the sixth grade. Yeah. Who was that, Carolyn? Uh, Melanie. Melanie, yes, that was me. And I always was like way ahead in the first 30 meters. And then people would start to catch up. But you're right. It's that first 30 meters where it's that pure reaction time and that power. Exactly. 
that uh yeah at one point somewhere in this body that existed but <laughs> yeah so. oh, look I can relate to that my power has decreased especially <laughs> in the last few years it's insane how quickly we lose mm-hmm. the power and the speed it's very frustrating I'm not happy with that but hey <laughs> but you still find that distance fun like you're drawn to those like shorter oh, yeah. more powerful things compared with oh, yeah. a 400 and this is what I really want to get into because mm-hmm. what I've learned in my short time in the master's athletics world is that 400 meters is like an endurance event, which to an ultra person or even, you know, to me or whatever, it's like, no, 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 that's speed, but it's not right. Because you're going to hit speed endurance. Yeah. And that is really hard and requires different training. You know what you, you could compare it for ultra runners who are trail mountain ultra runners. You try running 400 meters up a mountain and you're going to start powering through that glycogen and those energy mm-hmm. stores pretty darn fast. And it's almost, I think, similar, right? Yes. Mountain uphill running will, will hit the same energy systems as full-on sprinting much quicker, right? It just yeah. sounds gross. With <laughs> <laughs> the 400, it's awful because, I mean, the first 300-ish meters, like, it's not fun. But that last 100 meters, your legs are just... Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. And you got to power through that. And I, I, I hear my coach saying, just drive your arms, focus arms, like forget your legs, arms, arms, because really it's your arms that are carrying mm-hmm. you through that last hundred meters. But I have done 400s, like I said, but for me, when I do a 400, it's usually because I've checked to see who's registered for the different events. And I see that not too many people register for the 400. <laughs> like, okay, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to do this. But I never tell my coach then I'm going to do it. Because if I tell my coach in advance that I'm going to do the 400, he's going to make me train for it. And I don't want to train for it. (laughs) I want to do the shorter sprints. So I just, I well, he usually, he looks up the results. So now I've learned to register like very close to the last minute so he can't look me up um, so I can get away with not doing it. Because when he looks at me, he says, you are a 200 and a 400 meter runner. And now he's thrown in the 800. And I've got a few choice words for him when he tells me that because there's no way you're going to see me doing an 800 meter race. So yeah, so I definitely prefer those short, powerful sprints. Like 200 for me is starting to push it, to be honest. Ah, okay. So we, yeah, we know you, you're not crazy about 400, 800, but what do you love about the short events? What is it? I think it has a lot to do with my personality, actually. I just like things to be done fast. Like, I don't I don't have time to waste. Like, let's just go. Get me on the start line. Ready, set, go. You know, I want to get to the finish line. I'm not a very patient person. And I just want to do it. And even just thinking, like, you guys with your training for your half marathon and your ultra event. Oh, my God. I just don't want to spend that kind of time. Like, the hours that you guys do for one training session. No, thanks. Like, I want to see the results, like, right away. I want to start, and I want to finish, like, fast. But yet, you do still do training sessions that are two hours long yes. when they're done properly, right? Yes. And so I don't want it that to be missed, that this isn't a quick 15-minute workout, and you're done. Oh, God, no. My warm-ups are about 20, 25 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The shorter the race, the longer the warm-up, is what I always say. Exactly. And I remember the, uh, the first time that uh, I trained with my coach, uh, so like a year before I competed. And so he was making me do all these things. And I thought I was someone who was in pretty good shape, you know, because I was always working out and doing stuff. And so he makes me do this warm up and I'm dying. I want to throw up. And he says, okay, now we're going to start the training. Ooh. I was like, what? <laughs> like, we're not done. <laughs> but that was just the warm up. I was like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? But Look, I mean, how many years later and I'm still doing this? It's because the training, it's intense. It's very intense for a sprinter. Mm-hmm. But it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we that's really what we wanted to get into. For as much as we could say, "Oh my gosh, the 400 and the 800." It's like you keep coming back because there's something about it that you love and enjoy or something that makes you feel a certain way, like productive yeah. or you know, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I do these drills that are so cool. And I see like these younger athletes doing them too, like, you know, the student athletes and whatever. And I see them doing it. I'm like, Oh, I do that too. Well, that's pretty cool. And I, I, I don't know. It's like, it's just this feeling of, 
wow, like, look what I'm doing. I can do these things. I don't do it as fast or necessarily as well as some of these, you know, teenage kids, but I'm doing it. I'm Mm -hmm. 53 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, and I can do it. Like, and as I say to people, like from my neck up, I'm 29 (laughs) from my shoulders down. I'm about 53. (laughs) I think it's the mentality of like, no, like these young kids can do it. I can do it too. Bring it on. Yes. Yes. Good for you. I love this. I do too. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, like, yeah, I used to do that way back when, and and I want to get back into it too. Like, how does someone become a master sprinter? Like we heard how you did it, but is that the path that most people take towards it or are there many different paths? I think there are many. I know many who've never done track before. There are other people who did track in their youth, right? right? And they're, they've decided as a master's, like, especially for women, you know, they have their careers, they have kids. And then after X amount of years, they decide to get back into it. But many of them haven't. And I remember I was at this one meet before COVID and there was this woman, she was older than me. I think she's in her sixties and she She'd never done track and field in her life. And I see her at this McGill uh, track meet. And so she and I, being the only two masters, I was very thankful that they put us on the same start line. We weren't mixed in with the university open. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just me and Andre. And, you know, a gun goes off and we do our race and we get to the end of the race and I hear her crying. And I'm like, I run over to her and I'm like, Andre, it's correct. Like in French, are you okay? And she's like, I'm so happy. I just finished my first race ever. And wow. You know, you don't have to come from a track background Mm -hmm. to do this, to do the sprints. You come, you, you sign up through either a club or you go directly through your provincial association. So the administrative part, that's the easy part to, Mm -hmm. to join masters, to pay your registration. And then you get your bib number and you're set administratively. Mm -hmm. And then you just you sign up for your meets, but you have to train. So the training is a big part of becoming a master's athlete. You know, you you sound like such a confident, inspiring individual. Did you have to overcome any fears or insecurities to get into this? Was there anything that subtly held you back? Yeah, there's something that held me back from starting it. And then there was there's always something that kind of makes me think, do I really want to keep doing this? And I'll explain that. Um, When I was in doing a Lagasse meet in Brockville, Ontario, uh, in high school, it was my, well, turned out to be my last race as a youth, but it was a relay. I had to sub in for someone who was injured. So I was, uh, I was uh, put it with an older group and I had to run this relay. I think I ran the last leg of it. It was a four by one, I think. Anyway, as I was approaching the finish line, like, there were so many lane markings on this track. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is like in the 80s or something. And I, I got confused when I was running the race, and I ended up disqualifying my team. Oh. And that was so traumatic for me. After that, I never set foot on a track again. And I think that was a big part because I just felt like I let everybody down. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was out of my element. And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. But then... When you get into your 40s, you know, you're like, you don't care. Sloppy, like, I can do anything I want. You know? uh, so that's when I took it up again. But now every time, and this, I don't know if all sprinters have this, but for sure it's an issue for me. Every time I get on that start line, I start, like, I physically start to shake from nerves. And I never want to be close to the starter because then the starter will see me shaking. And I remember at one race, we were down in the in your mark position, and he said, "Everybody up!" I'm like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, "Don't move when you're in the set position." And I'm oh. like, "I'm okay." So, can I can I please be put in another lane far away from this guy? Because <laughs> no matter what you tell me, I'm gonna shake when I get down on the start line. Oh, like, I'm literally like trembling. I'm so nervous, and that is something that I have to face and deal with. Like. Every single race, I can't even say it gets better for me. I'm so nervous. And I'm thinking, like, Della, relax. Like, you know, this race, like the outcome of the, you know, world peace does not rely on the outcome of this race. Like, (laughs) it's for fun. Like, get a grip, right? But I don't know why. Like, it it stresses me out being on that start line. And 
and you know, I, I know other women, they, they're in events. They said, oh, I guess they have the same experience, actually, because they say we do jumps because you don't have to be with all these other people on the start line freaking out. You can do your own jump in your own time. You don't have that same stress factor. But uh-uh. even though I have to go through that stress, uh, I'm not going to stop sprinting because of that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I can only imagine that having those nerves at the start, facing them, continuing to show up, even though they're still there and they might be just as intense as they always have been, that's got to contribute to the sense of satisfaction and pride that you feel at the end. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like when you cross that finish line, you're like, yes, even if your time sucks, because mine, especially lately, really sucks, but I don't care. I did it. You know, like I, it's a personal challenge for me to get on that start line, deal with the nerves and do my race, not just get get disqualified because I'm shaking too much at the start line. So yeah, it's like you feel really good and you're so happy. You want to celebrate at the end of a race. Well, I think that's one of the benefits of being a master's person is (laughs) at a certain point, you know, you just don't care. You realize there's just certain things that just aren't worth stressing about. And we still, we still get nervous. We still shake, but yeah, like you said, you put it into the context of the global situation or your family situation, and you're doing this for fun. So I do have one question for you, though. Do you have to wear the short shorts? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that's the beauty of it, too. We can wear whatever we want. And a friend of mine, she's a Canadian master's, too, and she's she's injured. So she gave me her the running briefs, they're called. And she says, I want you to wear those. And this was just before COVID that she gave them to me. I still have yet to wear them. And I will. And I think I'm going to do it just because as a woman in my 50s, like a now postmenopausal woman in my 50s, I don't like the changes it's made to my physical appearance. And so for me to put on those damn uh, briefs, racing briefs, when I do that, I know that I will hit a whole new level of, I don't give a yeah. crap, yeah. you know? But look at what your body is doing. Mm-hmm. Who cares about how it looks? You are doing things with your body right now that yeah. I can guarantee you, what, would you think 95% or more women in their 50s postmenopausal are not doing, mm-hmm. right? So maybe yeah. doing different activities, right? They may be you know, cycling or climbing or hiking or whatever it is, but just using your body and not coasting oh, yeah. <laughs> for the next decade. I don't think I could ever coast, but you're right. Yeah. And, and that's something that my coach, when I, in training, cause he tells me I get whiny. I'm not, I'm not whiny. I'm just, yeah. you know, giving you feedback on what you're telling yeah. me. But um, he, when I start to get a little bit whiny, uh, he says to me, what are you complaining about? He's like, you're doing what 99.7% of, of women in the world aren't doing. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's kind of hard to keep that perspective when you're in it. But when I stop and think about it, like I look at just my friends and people that I know, women that I know my age, I'm the only one nutty enough to be doing this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and on that note of objections, like we've heard it all, right? And I'm sure you've heard it. You've heard it all as well. Like I'm too fill in the blank. I'm too old. I'm too slow. I'm carrying too much weight. Uh, I don't have time. It's too intimidating. The spikes and the call rooms and the starting guns, like everyone's looking at me like we could just go on and on and on. Like, these are the reasons that I, (laughs) I don't participate in track too. So what would you say to any of those objections? Somebody that's truly fearful to like, I don't, I'm out of my league. I don't belong here. What would you say to that person? Honestly, to do this sport, masters sprinting, you don't have to come from having experience in this sport for people who want to just become fit or active athletics and sprinting are a great way to just get into shape. You're not too old. In fact, masters, our kind of slogan is you can't ever be too old, only too young, because you have to be at least 35. I love it. I love that. (laughs) I I love that line. So you can't be too old. You can't be too like inexperienced or whatever, because it doesn't matter. You can start from zero Mm -hmm. and start this process of becoming a master's athlete. You're not ever too anything. Yeah. It really is for anyone who wants to just be active and involved. And another thing that people I don't think really understand about Masters Athletics is it's such a 
supportive group of people, Mm -hmm. so welcoming. So for people who think that we're going to be judged Mm -hmm. or, you know, negative comments made about you, no, absolutely not. It's quite the opposite. Actually, we see new people and we're like, yes, we're so excited to have new people. It doesn't matter if you suck. I suck. (laughs) I don't care that I suck. It's just fun. The activity of doing it is fun. The people that you meet are Mm -hmm. fun. The sense of accomplishment that you get from doing it, from crossing that finish line, it's it just feels amazing. And it fuels you to want to do it again. Yes. Yeah. And, and so talk to us about some of the meets that you've, like, have you just stayed sort of locally or do you travel nationally or even internationally to do some of your competitions? I do a lot of the local meets, well, at least before COVID. I've competed locally. I've competed nationally. I've done just because it's only about a three-hour drive from my house, it's called Dartmouth Relays at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. I did that, I think, for three or three or four years at Dartmouth. So that was international, mostly Americans and actually a lot of people from Montreal. So that was fun. And I did one international meet, the NCC North Central Caribbean yes. section of World Masters Athletics when it was in Toronto. I did that. And that was, that's intense. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't personally feel like I'm that caliber of an athlete that I belong at those big international meets. Like we have uh, worlds coming up in Finland in the summer. Um, I just, I'm not in my comfort zone there, but I'm at the point in my life, in my fifties that I want to step out of my comfort zone. Mm. I want to smash out of my comfort zone. So um, maybe not Finland. I'm not sure. I'm still on the fence about that. But worlds, indoor worlds in Edmonton at the Butterdome. Oh, yeah, I'm there. Nice. For sure, I'm going to be doing that one. So, yeah, I've, I've competed at pretty much every level. But the big international meets, not really my thing. But I'm going to have to overcome that. And <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yet. So here's a question. Like, clarify this for me. You talk about international meets. They're not elite. Anybody can do it. Yeah. So these kind of meets, you don't have to qualify for them. Like, literally anybody can just sign up and go. Yes. And in master's athletics in general, you don't need to have a qualification standard. You don't have to do a time trial somewhere, anything like that. Nothing. You just, you just book your flight and decide I'm going to Paris and I'm going to run, Yeah, (laughs) run there and you do. Oh, so it's kind of like ultras. You just pay your registration fee and off you go. Except that there's probably no lotteries to get in. There's not like a thousand people trying to get into these races or is there, is it, do they fill up? The international ones, I can't really speak speak to that because I haven't other than the NCC one in Toronto I haven't really done them but when I've looked at like results and stuff there are quite a few people I remember even the NCC meet for women my age and I think I was I was in my 40s then 40 I was in the 45 W45 category we had I think we had three or four heats of women which I was stunned because normally the races that I do especially the local ones if I have three or four other women in my master's heat, I was like, wow, that's a lot. Oh. Yeah. Okay. At Provincials this past summer, I was with one other woman. Wow. Um, which that really sucked. A lot of the other, I call them, I call them les matantes. Matantes in French, the real word, well, matante is my aunt, but it's, matante is kind of like a derogatory word for old lady. Mm. And I remember one of my, um, my racing rival that I have here in, in the area, Louise Bonneau, uh, one time she was telling me that at a race, one of the university or a group of the university girls were, you know, con- like they see us, they smirk. And this, this one athlete, she heard her say, uh, je veux pas être dans la vague, uh, je veux pas la matante dans la vague. I don't want to have this old lady in my heat. And I was like, so Louise is telling me this. And I'm like, oh, really? Hmm. Okay. I was not impressed. So I'm like, oh, that's it. So I kind of took that term, les matantes, and I, I'm owning it. So I refer to us sprinters in Quebec as les matantes. I'm like, well, I'm going to show you what les matantes can do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you kick her butt down the home stretch. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, cause, and I get those looks from, from the university students. And I had it just at provincials. Like, they're kind of looking at me like, Really? I'm like, yeah. But don't you think for every sideways look you're getting, you're also Mm -hmm. getting like four other looks that are like, wow, she's doing that. I hope so. They're probably coming from the stands more than the track, right? Like how many people are sitting in the stands going, holy cow, that's so impressive. 
I hope that's what they're saying. And that's why for me getting involved on the board at Canadian Masters, that's what I want. I want people to see us. I want people to notice because unless we get seen and noticed, we're not going to have more sprinters. And to me, that's super important is to like increase our visibility. And we're only going to do that if we have bigger numbers. So we have to promote this sport because it's so much fun. And if we, if people see us out there doing it, hopefully they're going to say, well, Hey, if they're doing that. Maybe I can do that too. And maybe they won't even say I can, I want to do that, but maybe it'll motivate them and say, well, look at those women out there, what they're doing at their age. Well, if they can do that, maybe I can start to go for a walk or a run or a bike ride or whatever. So I'm hoping that by seeing us, it will encourage other people to just take that step mm-hmm. to do something to get active. Yeah. So you you mentioned uh, being on the board of, of CMA, which is the Canadian Masters Athletics. So is that what motivated you or prompted you to put your name in to be on the board? It's just like, I want to promote the visibility of this sport. I want to encourage other women, other masters athletes to take part in, in this as, you know, like maybe an option they didn't even know was possible to them. That's what I was trying to do kind of on my own in Quebec. I I didn't really have a plan in place, but whenever like a meet was coming up, like I created a little, a messenger group with some of the matins and I said, Oh, come on, ladies, there's a meet coming up. Let's go. Who's in right. Things like that. But as for the board, I had a couple of women contact me and say, do you want to get involved? And I'm like, okay, I guess they need help on a committee or something on the project. Okay, I'll get involved. And then one of them says to me, oh, so you're going to run for the board. You have to put in your name and fill out this form thing. And I'm like, uh, board? Uh, nobody said anything about the board? Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> That's like a little intimidating for me. And then, of course, I'm like, again, woman in my 50s. Hell yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll try. So I, you know, I sent out emails and messages to people to, you know, to vote for me. And thankfully they did. So I made it on the board. But yes, that's one of the things that now being on the board is definitely an objective for me is to get more people to know who we are, what we do, and hopefully encourage them to join us, especially women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My thing is really focused. I really geared toward um, increasing the participation of women in athletics. So why especially women? Like, are there a lot of women involved in master's athletics or is our, are we a bit underrepresented in your opinion? We're very underrepresented. And actually, I just got some statistics today. In general and consistently over the years, women have been about 35% of our membership or less. So to me, like, no, that's just not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really need to increase the membership. And I know like even me in, in Quebec, I mean, we're a handful of sprinters. We're really not very many. And I want to have more women on the start line with me. The more the women that we're on the start line, the less stress we have because we're just laughing and, you know, comparing our stress at the start line. So it's <laughs> who's shaking more. <laughs> helps all of us to have more of us there. Well to be honest, you quite surprised me. I kind of have envisioned at least two or three heats of women in each race that you do. And you're telling me that's a completely not the norm and you're lucky if you even have one full heat in a race oh never well because the thing is with masters athletics the way it's organized is by five-year age categories right okay so in some races local ones because we don't have enough women in one age category they combine all the masters women so then i'll have like maybe three four five six women at the most i've never had more than that the only time i did was when i did that ncc meet in toronto but that's like kind of like unheard of. Wow. And that's Quebec, which is, uh, that's a, a province with way off the charts numbers compared to say Manitoba or some of the Atlantic provinces too. So you have to imagine it's even more of a dire situation in those provinces. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. Like Ontario has many, many more. And Quebec has a lot of masters athletes, but we don't have a lot of female okay, sprinters. Okay, okay. Mm. Uh, but I can imagine, yes, in some of the other provinces, Ooh, really not a lot. Like in Manitoba, where there's 24 people <laughs> registered for Athletics Manitoba. That's the thing. In Omena, she's one master sprinter that mm-hmm. I see from uh, from Manitoba. That I, I see her at the big meets. Yep. Well, I don't see a lot from Manitoba. So if you're looking for a sport to get in on the ground floor. That's right. <laughs> so, and you know what? And the thing is, too, and as much as 
Canadian Masters, it's not about, it really, really isn't about the records yeah. and the, the, uh, the uh, like the Hall of Fame awards. It's really not about stuff like that. But if you're coming into this sport for the first time in a province like Manitoba or Nova Scotia or whatever, the province that t- provinces that have fewer athletes, which is really basically any province except Ontario and British Columbia, then you have a chance of setting some serious records in a lot of events. Like you're establishing records in your province. And when I started with, with Masters, like I had established some records and they've been broken, except for my 50 meter. I still have my 50 meter indoor nice. record, um, <laughs> but that's the only one that still, that I still have. But um, it's fun to establish a record because then other people who look up the records, they'll say, huh, she did that distance in that amount of time. I can beat that. Right. So it, it's not as intimidating as if nobody has ever done it before. Right. If they haven't done it before, then you get to do it for the first time and set the, and establish the record, which is really cool. But it's, I think it's important to establish those records so that other women want to go out there yeah. and beat them. Well, because it yeah. gives you like a North Star, like it gives you something to shoot for, right? When there's a record, Absolutely. right? And, and then it's like, okay, that seems attainable. That seems doable. Like, that seems like fun. That seems like something I could go after. Exactly. And the the thing is, like us masters athletes, the sprinters, all masters athletes, we're competitive Mm -hmm. for sure. We all want to win. But the beauty of it is, while we we are competitive against other people, we're also competitive with Mm -hmm. ourselves. We really want to improve from one race to the next. Unfortunately, as you get older, you're not going to improve from one year to the next. That's what age grading's for. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But even still, like, even for me, it's hard when I know that I used to run the 60 in that time, and now I'm so much slower. But whatever. And now I know, like, my first race of the season is my baseline time. And I would just want to keep training and improving so that at the end of the season, my time is better. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's you competing really with yourself. Exactly. So in in your opinion or in your experience from everything that you've seen so far what do you think is the main block like what is holding people back the most why are those eight lanes not all filled up with masters female sprinters I wish I had the answer to that question I think some of it is people just don't know that we exist yeah I think it's a big part of it I think that's a that is a big part and I think people even people that do see us and it's like you were saying before Carolyn it's like I'm to this I'm to that and there's always an excuse to not do it to not start and I don't know what to do to kind of plant a seed or to kind of give women the push or men even like the push to say yes I can Mm -hmm. because it's not an insurmountable task what we're doing here is not like this big thing that you can't accomplish anybody like literally anybody could do it and with athletics, with master's athletics, if you don't want to sprint, don't sprint. You know, if you have knee injuries or whatever, do the race walking or do the throws or mm. do the jumps if that's what interests you. We have so many other events other than sprinting or running that that people can do. Because now I've, I've, Carolyn, you know, I've kind of started training to do some the throws. And I've never done, I've never picked up an implement in my life. And so here I am starting it now for the first time at age 29. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if the feeling, and, and I suck, like, this, like I don't want to <laughs> pretend that I'm good because I'm not, like, I'm really bad actually. But my coach says, I see hope in you, <laughs> which is encouraging. Yeah. But there is hope and it's just, but it's so fun mm-hmm. to learn it mm-hmm. and to try something new, to step out of your comfort zone, the feeling of, of accomplishment, of just, it's good for your mind. It's good for your body. It's good for your soul to try something new. Well, I have to say that I find it oddly comforting to hear you say this and, and repeat this of like, I suck. Like I'm not even that good. (laughs) Like I honestly take a lot of comfort because if I think about sprinting, cause I am like not a sprinter. I've said on this podcast before, I wasn't born with one single fast twitch muscle in my entire body. I'm not fast. Um, I always got, you know, I have trauma from like grade three and getting out kicked by everybody in my whole class and coming in last in the sprints. Like that was me. Um, it, it comforts me to hear you say that you're still having so much fun despite not being the best, even though you're competitive and even though you want to like you're after self-improvement, 
Um, it, yeah. That more the feeling you take away is that I showed up and I did it. I hung out yes. with this person. I met this new friend, like whatever it is. That's absolutely true. It's about the training. Like the, honestly, the competition is the measuring stick yeah. and the reward. When you train, you want to train towards something and having the competition is kind of like a goal. And how well you do at a track meet is kind of like, is your measurement of how you're coming along. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you compare based on who else is sprinting with you at the time, but it's still how you yourself are doing. How are you evolving? You'll know after you cross the line, what else it is that you need to work on. And like for me at the provincial championships this past summer, I mean, I really sucked. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I thought and that was in my qualifying race. So then for the final, I had to run the race again. And I thought, okay, I suck. All right, let's, that's the way it is. What am I going to work on in my final that I didn't do in the first race? And in my, in my qualifier race, I was so tense. Like I run, I get nervous, as I've mentioned. And I run like, like tight with my shoulders up and I'm tight and my face is all contorted. <laughs> and I thought in my final, I want to run relax. I want to run like an Olympic runner with your cheeks bouncing. <laughs> I want to look like I really I relaxed because honestly, if you relax, you really run faster. It sounds counterintuitive, yeah. but it's like, it's so true. Like being tight and stressed out, it mm. impedes your speed. Um, so I relaxed more on the second one and it felt really good. I'm like, yeah, but for the last like 10 or 20 meters, I was tighter. So I have to learn to keep that relaxed mode all throughout. But you learn, you learn to not measure your success based on your speed and your time at the end of a race. Yeah. And you find other measures to see how you're doing. I have a question for you back to the, let's go back to the objections part here for a mm -hmm. minute. So I'm a physiotherapist. So is Carolyn. We've been, you know, teaching people how to try to stay healthy and not injured uh, for, I have for over 20 years. So one of my biggest objections, I'll be brutally honest, is I'm afraid of tearing my hamstrings. Like I have injured my hamstrings so many times. As soon as I start to run faster, the older I get, I do not get more flexible. <laughs> and yeah. so like, give us some real, like tangible, actionable ways that somebody you say, Oh, just anybody can join, just get started. But how can somebody safely get some guidance? Do like, should they seek out a coach? Should they join like you did? Should they, should they go to the association and go to a track club or should they just go out on the road and just start running 30 second, you know, pickup intervals? Like what's the best way to do this? You know, when, so I think, you know, back to why do so many people maybe start with endurance running and 5Ks and 10Ks? Because really, you could move from a walk to a slow jog with your friend, and you're probably not going to get hurt <laughs> until you decide to train more seriously. But for sprinting, I fear that it could be a little bit more risky with an older body that is not used to doing this. So what are some ways to start this safely and enjoyably? Well, that's a really great question. And luckily, CMA has been working on that exact thing. So for anyone who's seriously considering sprinting, the first place I think and I highly recommend that people go is on, go on the CMA, Canadian Masters Athletics website. And somewhere on one of the tabs, we have um, information on the seminars that we've uh, started doing. For a sprinter in particular, there are two seminars that we've done that will be extremely beneficial for anyone who wants to start out. One is by, um, well, actually, probably the first one you should check out is Carolyn's um, on injury, no, seriously, on injury prevention, because I listened to that one and I thought it was fantastic in terms of things that people need to do and think about before, in, you know, starting something like this and uh, to prevent injuries. You know, what did we, the prehab is one thing, right. you know. Um, that's very important. Even simple things like warming up properly, right? Like I have nightmares remembering the era of everybody starting to run barefoot on their treadmill after Born to Run came out for like 10K with no shoes. Boom. You know, I was born to do this. Let's just do this. Well, you know, I would... I would hope that this podcast doesn't inspire a bunch of people to go out and start hurting themselves, right? I hope not. I want to make sure they start safely and logically and slowly, right? Yes. You have to do this very slowly. It's like for me, after I come back from an injury and I, I see a physio, I have a massage therapist, and you have to have that team kind of in place um, when you want to embark on something like this. 
like you said, it took you a year before you were even thinking about competing, right? Yes. I, I had to train for a year because I know you can get injured. You really have to take things slowly. It's very important to do a proper warm up, to do a proper stretch. And actually in Carolyn's uh, talk that she did, she talked about um, coach Jay Johnson and videos that he, uh, he has done on YouTube and they're fantastic. I started, uh, I've done some of them and that is an excellent place to start to get like general conditioning. Cause that you have to be mm-hmm. generally very physically fit mm-hmm. and you have to do the strength training, your quads, your hamstrings, your calves, First and foremost, uh, if you have weaknesses in, the, in those areas, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. Yeah. One thing with masters athletics and sprinters in particular, you have to be patient with yourself. You have to listen to your body, mm-hmm. take the time that you need, do a proper warm up, do your strength training, but take it easy, go slow, increase your weights and your, your distances and your intensity slowly over time. Same as with any sport. As with any sport, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think people fear the injuries in sprinting more than they do in distance running because they see more scary because they're acute. Like you're going to run down the straightaway and you're going to pull the hamstring and you're not going to be able to take another step. However, what I will say back to that is that while distance running can seem safer comparatively, I think the stat I've read anywhere up to 80% of distance runners get injured. Like that's a crazy stat, but it just takes longer. You can get away with cheating in certain areas more with distance running. Like what you're describing to me, Dal, is almost, I'm hearing you need to just be a, sprinting is almost being a well-rounded athlete with a side of sprinting. Yeah right? It's like everything else has to wrap around that 30 seconds of competition in order for it to happen well, right? And if you don't have all those other pieces in in place, you can't perform safely. But the beauty of it is, and one thing I've learned, because as I said, I have had several injuries on various body parts. And what is amazing is the ability of the body to heal itself. Mm -hmm. If you give yourself time and you do what you need to do, so I, I understand why people would be scared mm-hmm. and you can't account for everything in your training. There's always going to be a risk for getting injured, but all you can do is all the right things. Yeah. But if you do get injured, the beauty is too, you can recover yeah. and you can come back and you'll see with master sprinters, we've all had injuries mm-hmm. and it would be easy to just say, well, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. I get injured all the time, but we all come back. We're gluttons for punishment, I swear. <laughs> and how many people hurt themselves running across the street, right? Yeah. Like, you'll be that much more resilient for life. I fell down the stairs twice, in the once last winter and once in the spring. And that's still causing me problems. But I'm just saying, like, you can injure yourself however. If I'm going to injure myself, I want to be cool about it and injure myself when I'm on the track. Well, you know what, though? <laughs> like, taking this to even more of an extreme, the risks are pretty high for sitting on your couch all day long, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I you could be completely yeah. sedentary and then you have this chronic disease and that chronic disease and you're yeah. overweight and all this. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. risks with anything. And I think what you're saying is you you just you have to take these calculated risks. Getting a coach is a huge first step. Somebody that can yes. guide you through or a training group that can say here, you know, here's how you warm up and here's how you mitigate those risks as best as possible. Absolutely. This is what a drill looks like. Yeah, this is what yeah. proper cool down. And that's why like. the videos that Carolyn talked about in that in that one um, seminar that she did for Canadian Masters, fantastic. Specific exercises for sprinters that will build up the right muscles mm-hmm. that you need to be able to do this sport properly. Okay, so Dala, your energy is just like ridiculously infectious. You're like <laughs> making me want to go sign up for <laughs> for track. So I'm I bet yeah no I I am I'm going to step on the track. You know what? I just did cross country for the first time in over 30 years. So I'm like dipping my toe into I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And you're right. It is very fun. It is very rewarding. And there is this like outsized sense of accomplishment when you go and do something that was scary that's new and you you know you live to see another day kind of thing (laughs) feeling there's nothing like that it's so incredible so I imagine you're inspiring people left right and center but who do you look to for inspiration in this sport well my inspirations for the most part come from women and then there are so many and for so many different reasons 
Um, we're lucky in Canada that we have some really high level elite masters athlete sprinters. Mm-hmm. Carla Del Grand is one, Carol Lafayette Boyd. And the thing is, is I'm thinking of Carla in particular. She's not only an exceptional, accomplished uh, master sprinter, she's just always, also such a nice person. Mm-hmm. And what I love about her is that she really encourages women to be as sprinters the best that you that you yourself can be. So like me, like I said, I suck, but I want to be, I want to keep training to be the best sprinter that I yeah. can be. And so, and my coach in that respect has helped me a lot too, because he doesn't expect me to be a Carla Del Grant, but he wants me to be the best Dalla Bortolusi that I can be. And so, so Carla brings that out in people, everyone that Carla meets, even if they're recreational runners, she just wants them to be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. But then I have other women that are in this sport who have overcome illnesses and other types of injuries, and they still come back to want to compete. And how can I, how can I not be inspired by those women? And another, like uh, the head of Masters in Quebec, Bernard Lachance, he's had so many injuries too, but he comes back time and time and time again. And it's phenomenal to me. So I look at these people and I'm like, it is possible to come back after injuries and after health issues and do this again and to keep doing it. And Carla, she's uh, she's in her 60s. And there's this, there's one woman in the States, Flo Myler. This woman is 86 years old, I think. She does hurdles and pole vault, amongst other events. I'm like, 86? Pole vault? Jeez, that's mind-blowing. Like, <laughs> and, like How? I want to be like them when I grow yes, up. Kidding. You know, like, truly, you just you can't look at these people and watch them compete and not be inspired. So, on that note, what's next for you? What's coming up for next season? Well, I'm hoping that uh, slowly, very slowly, get back into the running and eventually the sprinting, because I would like to compete this winter at a couple of meets in sprints. We have the Canadian Indoor Masters Championship in St. John, New Brunswick in March. So I definitely want to be competing in that. So short term, that's my plan. In the summer is the Canadian Championships in Regina, which I really hope to be able to do that too. We usually finish our our podcast with five sort of rapid fire fun questions. So we'll move into those next, starting with, do you have a favorite mantra or is like a 60 meters too short to be thinking about mantras? (laughs) Well, my, all I say to, for that question is like, focus on, uh, on what you can do, not on what you can't Mm do. That's like my big, my big thing, whether it's because of injury or whatever it is. Just focus on what you are able to do and nothing else really matters. 100%. So you run primarily on the track. We normally ask people their favorite place to run. Do you have a favorite track that you (laughs) really enjoy running at? Well, you know what? My actual favorite place to run, first of all, I don't like to run. I like to sprint. (laughs) Just want to make that clarification. Got it. Um, I love to run on the track. My home track is in Longueuil. Uh, so that's where I feel at home. But my favorite, favorite place to to practice my sprints is actually um, at my training facility, indoor training facility. It's um, at the Complex Sportif Bell. It's uh, here in Broussard. It's uh, where the Montreal Canadiens have their training facilities too. And I train on the indoor soccer field. And that's actually, that's where I feel the most at home hmm. for training. Cool. Yeah. That is great. Super cool. That is the first time we have had that answer. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, Do you have a bucket list race or competition? I do. I have two, actually. My first um, bucket list race would be I want to have me and three other Matins do a four by 100 meter relay somewhere. Awesome. That's what, because it's never been done in Quebec. Really? Yes, I know. Surprising, right? Are you kidding me? We've only, women have only ever done a four by two, I think, but never a four by four or a four by one. I don't want to do the four by four. Nobody wants to do a 400 meter, but a four by one, I definitely want to do that with three other women in Quebec. So to have like a team Quebec. Okay. Team Matan. Quebec ladies, listen up. <laughs> yeah, Matan, let's go. <laughs> 
So that's my first bucket list race. The other one, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is I want to have a race in, in Quebec where I have a full flight of people, full heat mm-hmm. of women running, or actually even better would be a more than one heat of women racing. I would love to be in a race where we have more than one heat of master's women. Well, maybe this podcast will help you out a little yeah. bit there. Share awesome. the heck out of it and uh, <laughs> recruit away. Oh, I, I really think that this is going to help to promote the sport and hopefully sprinting like right across the country. I wish people could understand like how awesome it is. You can just try it for once. You just make me want to come run four by ones with you. That you just sounds like that so much awesome fun. Too. And, yes, and you could yes. channel your inner like grade six. <laughs> you know, that was, I was the anchor man in grade six. I love the four by one, the baton Perfect. snap, go. Oh yeah. It just sounds so fun. I would just say, try it once. If you don't like it, Hey, but you know, because, because you're, you're in shape and you're ready probably to compete that I wouldn't recommend someone who hasn't done any kind of anything, but relays have got to be a really nice introduction to this sport. You just got me thinking about that because yeah. they're so fun yeah. and they're so like, you don't, the you're not on spirit. It's not all on much. you. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah, yes. you can't control the outcome more than one quarter of it, mm-hmm. right? And so, but, yeah, and you're yeah. a team. You don't get to do anything as a team in in yeah. in athletics. So it's the only time really that you can do something as a yeah. team. And I've only ever done one. It was a four by one at Canadian Championships in uh, where was I? In out in BC in Surrey um, in 2018. And I got to do it with Carla. How cool is that? Oh, really cool. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember when I was doing it with Carla that one summer, and she uh, she said because. That particular meet, the relays were done at the beginning of the meet. Normally, they're always done at the end, but this time they were done on like the, the evening of the first day of the event. And she's like, and so we had other events that we had to do. We don't want to like burn out all of our energy on a relay and then we can't compete in our other individual events. So I remember Carla said to me, let's just take it easy on the relay. You know, we don't have to go full out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's not go full out, whatever. <laughs> I get the baton. The hell, I'm not going to go full out. Boom, let's go. Max speed. <laughs> You know, so, but, but they're fun. They're definitely yeah. fun. So, yeah, I expect to see you ladies um, on a, oh, on a team. <laughs> inspired souls. <laughs> Relay team. Yeah, yes, there you go. Inspired souls <laughs> team. That would be so cool. <laughs> Need a couple more of those singlets you've got made up That's there. That's right. Carolyn. That's right. All right. So let's wrap up our rapid fire with your favorite post run or race indulgence. Do you have one? Absolutely. I have one. <laughs> Ah, a nice glass of red wine. Okay, oh, we're BFFs. Okay. <laughs> that, <Yeah>. that solidifies <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I have to have my my glass of or two totally, <laughs> of red wine yes. after a race. Totally deserve it. So yeah, and I don't have any guilt for indulging in that at all. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been so fun. I knew it would be. I've learned so much about, about master's athletics. So where can, if people are intrigued and they want to learn more, where can they learn more about uh, the CMA, about you? Like, where would you want to send people to, to, to learn more? Um, Well, for, for CMA, definitely either go on canadianmasters.ca website. There's a whole bunch of information there. Um, We also have a pretty active Facebook group. Canadian Masters Athletics, I think it's called too. Uh, so people can definitely go on there. If people have questions, it's a really great group. You can put your question on that page and probably you'll get a bunch of responses. Mm-hmm. As for me personally, best way to get a hold of me, and, and I'm very open if anyone wants to reach out for more information or to you know share a story or something. Or to be on your relay team. <laughs> There you go. Yes. If you want to be in my relay team, let's go. <laughs> Definitely up for that. Uh, message me through uh, through Facebook. I mean, uh, Facebook Messenger. I'm not hard to find. My name is, you know, weird. So I'm, I'm easy to find. You won't mix me up with someone else called Dalla Portilisi, yeah. So <laughs> Just watch. You're going to have to start holding tryouts. You're going to get so many people that want to be I on your relay that. team. <laughs> you have no idea how much I want to do a relay. And I just, I'm itching to do one. And if, if I can get, like, if this can help me get some people on a relay or some people on the start line, hey, I'm super excited. This has been awesome. Oh, you are just, this has just been so much fun. I, I can just feel your your energy and uh, enthusiasm and just how passionate you are about sprinting, about this sport, about empowering women and uh, master's women to get out and try a sport that, that may have never occurred to them 
to try. So um, you are just an amazing spokesperson for CMA and it's uh, an honor and a thrill to work alongside you in that capacity. So keep on being awesome. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you both very much. This has been a great experience. I've had a lot of fun tonight getting to know you guys a little bit and um, hopefully planting a little seed in your head. Seeds take time to grow, but hopefully one's been planted. And I I would love, love, love to see you guys uh, on the start line for a sprint. That would be so cool. Thank you.